Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production. Enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on. All right, guys, welcome to Bears Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Lapka. And hey, Chris Nana, we have a very special guest today, don't we? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, he's an ESPN 1000 host and producer, heard on Cap and Co. in the Black and Abdallah show. It's Mr. Chris Black. Welcome to the show. Kevin, Chris, what's up, guys? How are you doing? Doing great. Great to have you on here. Excited to talk some Bears football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even, even though it's the off season, it seems like there's always time to talk about the Chicago Bears and also around the National Football League. A lot of movement with quarterbacks going to take place this off season, and also some changes to the playoff format. I'm not sure that's something we needed, but here we go. Nano? Yeah, um, you know, excited to talk about Bears football. We got some we got some news here. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this new playoff format, see what you guys have to say. Yeah, so we're going to get into that playoff format in a little bit, but we're going to start uh, with this quarterback talk because obviously it is the most important thing for the Chicago Bears. It dictates their team and it's really going to dictate the offseason. But Chris Black, uh, we we know you have a lot of opinions about Mitchell Trubisky, our guy, Mr. Biscuit. Uh, you you said you, you don't like the Trubisky truthers, uh, yeah. and you got some spicy opinions about him. So so for those uh, who have not heard about those opinions, or those who are new to Bears Nation podcast, tell us uh, what you think about Mitchell Trubisky and why you maybe don't think that he is the answer for the Bears uh, in the long term. Well, you know, guys, it's um. I feel like sometimes the conversation about Trubisky gets lost in translation because it's nothing personal. He's a really nice kid. Um, I've met him a few times. He's a great guy, right? But what my frustration comes from is the expectations for this team is that ever since Khalil Mack was traded to the Chicago Bears, there's a championship window that was open. And what happens when you have a championship window and a defense that is as good as the Chicago Bears defense is, is that you need to take advantage of that, right? And and being Bears fans like you guys are, and I am, and how I've lived my entire life without a decent quarterback, Jay Cutler's had a couple nice years. But outside of that, the Bears as a franchise have never had a good quarterback. I don't want them to waste this championship opportunity, this championship window, because we are hoping that Mitchell Trubisky turns out to be something when I think he is showing us that clearly he is not. Yes, he does have a nice throw here and there. Yes, he got the team to be 12-4 and last season and get to the playoffs. Yes, against the Eagles in that wild card game, he drove the Bears down the field in the fourth quarter. Those are all things people point to who are, quote, Trubisky truthers as positives in his game. 
The problem with that is those Trubisky truthers ignore the first three quarters of that wild card game against the Eagles when Trubisky was garbage. Or the fact of this last season, a part of the reason why the Bears struggled so much was because of the ineptitude of the offense, mainly because of the quarterback who couldn't move the ball down the field or score points. And we all know that in the National Football League in 2020, you have to put points on the board, touchdowns on the board to compete and to win. So I think that the context of all this is the reason I don't like Trubisky for the Bears is because I don't want to sit around on my hands hoping and praying that he turns out to be something. I feel like he's shown us already he is not going to be a top-level quarterback. Could he be decent someday? Yeah, absolutely. Could he be okay? Yeah, he, he certainly is okay. Is he going to get the Chicago Bears to the next level based solely on his performance? I don't think so. I don't want to see the Bears waste this championship window. And that's where this conversation heads to the offseason. And I think Ryan Pace is a bold general manager. He makes bold decisions, bold moves, and he tries to win. I think Ryan Pace is going to do something this offseason, guys, to try and fix the quarterback position. I don't think he's just going to sit around and hope that Mitch Trubisky figures it out in this offseason. Nano, do you agree? Yeah, so look, no matter how you slice it, I mean, you brought up some points that no one can really argue with. I mean, he's shown a, a, more times than not that, you know, he has a lot of stuff he has to work on. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things where when he when he first got to the Bears, I think everyone had high hopes for him. And then, you know, people started to sour on him. And, and you know, it, it just it's, it's hard to defend him at this point. Um, and I just think they need somebody to at least compete with him just so he just so he's looking over his shoulder. Um, just so there's some competition, um, you know, you bring in a guy like, you know, let's say Derek Carr and, you know, Derek Carr, in my in my opinion, if you bring in a guy like that, he's not competing with Mitch Trubisky. He is going to be the starter. Um, and, you know, it, it's just it's one of those things like I, the, the whole championship window thing is kind of why I've soured on Trubisky as well. Um, you know, when you bring in a guy like Khalil Mack and when you have a defense like that, I mean, you, you have to just give it all, give it your all. Um, and, and I also agree with that with that pace argument. Um, I think I think all of this stuff is just too quiet. Um, I, I think this whole yeah, Mitch Trubisky is 100 percent our quarterback moving forward. I think that stuff is all smoke for now. I, I just I refuse to believe that that they just don't at least bring competition um, for Mitch Trubisky because, um, you know, we, we can't go in. We can't go into next year with Mitch Trubisky. Um, uh, as our starting quarterback and not having, you know, somebody capable as a backup at least. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with that with that point. It's going to happen. There will be either a draft pick or a free agent. I think it's consensus that's going to happen. It's just at what level, right? Is it a replacement as a starter? That being a Cam Newton, a Derek Carr, a Tom Brady, a Phillip Rivers. I mean, who knows? Or that being a fourth or fifth round draft pick to kind of prepare for the future. But that's where the whole championship window thing, that, that's why I'm afraid of them doing that in the draft is because, sure, you, you – you help yourself in two years, but if we keep talking about the championship window, going and getting a quarterback, even in the second round, unless Tua Tugavailoa falls that far, which is not going to happen, you're not doing any service with the whole championship window argument by drafting uh, a rookie quarterback. 
Now, I want to I, I want to talk about the Trubisky truthers thing because I think that right now the narrative about Mitchell Trubisky is the fact that you either like him or you don't. And I'm like in the middle in the sense that I think I think there's a difference between Trubisky truthers and just people who believe that the offensive issues were deeper than just the play at quarterback. You you blindly can't say Mitchell Trubisky had a good season in 2019. You can't uh, even if, if you love Mitchell Trubisky to the moon. You can't say it a good season. That would just be idiotic. But you can. It, it is reasonable to agree that with a proper running game, a real tight end, a restructured offensive line, and maybe a little bit of better play calling here and there, Trubisky could have had a more fair evaluation. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at about it. I think that although Trubisky did not play well, although I think there are quarterbacks that could be better for this offense than him, I think there are offensive issues deeper than the quarterback position that need to be fixed regardless of who the quarterback is in 2020. Yeah, no, and and I I see your point, and I think also with all of this, there's layers to it, right? And you have to have the ability to look at something with context, and you have to look at something and and decide whether or not it is because of the player or because of a bigger, larger issue, right? Like, like a, a part of the frustration I think with the Trubisky truther uh, joke, and if if someone isn't aware of it, it's it's a joke that I. Uh, use on a radio show because there are people in Chicago who call our station ESPN 1000 and they legitimately think that Mitchell Trubisky is a top 10 quarterback. They <laughs> legitimately think that this kid is the next Patrick Mahomes. And it's like, no, dude, you're not watching what we're all watching. And so the Trubisky truther thing is a sarcastic uh, piece of satire on someone who is blinded by anything negative re revolving around Trubisky and all they see is good, right? So yeah, could the offensive play calling be better? Absolutely. Could the offensive line be better? Yes. Could they have used the run game more to help the quarterback? I agree with all those points. I think the one thing we do see around the National Football League though is when you have a good quarterback, some of those issues start to melt away. And, and if you have a really good quarterback, the offensive line doesn't have to be as great. The play calling doesn't necessarily have to be as great. The running game doesn't have to bail you out. All those different things, I think, are all factors. And I think a part of the Trubisky conversation has to go back to, if you go back to last season, I feel like there were many times in the first half of games, in like the second quarter, Matt Nagy would allow Mitchell to go downfield and he would try and open up his offense. And what would happen and what I would notice watching the games is that they were like little tests throughout the larger picture. Right. And Mitchell would either throw a overthrow by 20 feet or he would throw a pick or something wouldn't go right. And then Nagy would pull the offense back immediately because he knew his quarterback couldn't handle it. I feel like if you got a quarterback into the system who's just a professional level quarterback, Nagy's offense would look different. You know, you hear Matt Nagy in the postseason press conferences. You hear him throughout the season talk. A lot of the issues he kept pointing to was timing and decision-making from the quarterback. And I feel like if those two things change, you now have an efficient offense that can thrive and can run the way Nagy wants it to run. I, I think what they've kind of told us in, like, shaded, guarded language is that – Matt Nagy isn't necessarily happy with the performance and with the quarterback himself. And I think if that changed and Nagy was pleased with the performance of the quarterback, 
I think you'd see a different offense. I, I, th- I just think you would. I'm not ready to sell out on Matt Nagy. I think he's still a good offensive mind. He just doesn't have the right tools. So, like, the Trubisky truther thing, like, I get it, guys. Like, I totally get it. Like, Trubisky does have some nice plays, and there is hope. It's just, like, how many times do we have to hope for this guy, this kid to kind of have it click? Because, you know, you look around the National Football League, you have quarterbacks who step right in as rookies, and they look better than what Trubisky has looked, and he's hanging into his fourth season. You know, like, I, I can assume that all three of us on this podcast would all take Kyler Murray over Mitchell Trubisky, right? Oh, yeah. You know, like, Kyler, oh, Murray's, oh, yeah. Kyler Murray stepped on the field and looked awesome from the moment he was there. Like, the, the rate that quarterbacks get into the league now, the experience they have because they're starting earlier in college as true freshmen, the moment they get to the NFL, they are so much more prepared to be successful on the NFL level now than they were 10 years ago. And Mitch is a part of this group that's prepared. The problem was Mitch wasn't good enough in college to beat out the quarterback at North Carolina, who was the starter for two years, and he was the backup to. So, like, when you kind of factor all this stuff in together, it really feels like people who want Mitch to be successful, who are true diehard Trubisky truthers, are just people who are, like, on a a wish and a prayer, hoping that this kid turns into something who he may not be, right? Like, the fact that Ryan Pace compared him to Drew Brees, I think is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because what about Trubisky's game reminds you about Drew Brees? The moment Trubisky stepped onto an NFL field, he's been inaccurate. He's been inaccurate the entire time. So, like, nothing about it screams like he is a quarterback who will be that guy at the next level. Now, you know, as we kind of look at this and project it out, could he ever be Alex Smith? Yeah, he probably could, you know, five, six, seven years down the road as, uh, you know, with another team in the right situation, some mileage in the league. I I could see it happening. I just don't think it's going to happen here. And I feel like if we just sit around and wait, what we're going to happen next year is another eight and eight year where we have hopes, but we have disappointing games, and it's just going to teeter-totter back and forth and whether or not this team actually can make noise in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I, I had a question for you, Blake. Um, yeah. Do you, think, do you think that Trubisky regressed from 2018 to 2019 at all? Or, or like, do you think he was better in 2018 than he was in 2019? Um, they were... I think he was because the offense was better. Fair enough. Fair enough. And but but like this is why. Like think back to the game script of how the Bears won games when they went 12 and 4. Yeah. They scored yeah. first a lot. Yeah. And they outscored teams in the first quarter. And then what does that tell you? It tells you that the rest of the game if you're up 10, if you're up by two touchdowns, your defense can pin their ears back and go after the opposing quarterback. Life was easy for the Bears two years ago because they were always in the lead at the end of the first quarter. And when you do that, the game kind of sets up easier for you. So I I think a part of like what happened this season is the scripted first 15 plays of the game were not producing the way they did the year before. Thus, from the jump, the Bears were almost always in a hole and they're always fighting from behind and they're just not good enough to kind of make that up. I, th- yeah, I think that's enough. really fair. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I think the problem is as well. Is I think what stood out to me is what you mentioned about, uh, you know, last year in the second quarter of games, they tried and they experimented with Mitch throwing the ball downfield, and they couldn't do that. And and that that that's not Matt Nagy's offense, right? I mean, we know Matt Nagy's right. offense, so they they need a sense of that air raid type offense and a sense of like, why do we have Taylor Gabriel on this roster? I mean, what, you know, he's, he can't even play to his potential because he's not even being allowed to go downfield because the quarterback can't throw it that far. So that, that is what plays into it. But if that is truly, I mean, I don't think we're going to get to the point where Matt Nagy is going to change his offensive scheme, tried to do it last year. It's not going to work. He's going to stay with his offense. He's going to stay as the play caller. He's going to run it that way. But now it's which quarterback of the free agents, if we don't think Mitch Trubisky is coming back, which quarterback uh, is the best fit for that offense? Is that Phillip Rivers? Is that Derek Carr, who's been gaining a lot of momentum recently? Uh, I don't know if it's Tom Brady. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, is it a rookie? I mean, uh, you know, who who is it, Black, that, that you think would be the best fit for this offense in free agency, um, you know, regarding cap situation cap situation as well? But who is the ideal candidate to come in and replace Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, when you look at the offense and, and to the point that you just made about the, the way that Nagy is as a coach and an offensive play caller in the offense, I think it is much easier to replace the quarterback than for Matt Nagy to change his entire scheme. Right. I, I think that is who Matt Nagy is. And I, that's why I feel as if if they fix that position, you may see a different offense. And then you also will see a head coach who's fully confident in, in what he's doing, being able to do what he wanted to do all along. You know, to answer the question, I, I think what Ryan Pace is going to do is I think he will draft somebody. I, I don't think it's going to be with one of the second round picks, but I think you have to draft someone and then you're going to go out and sign someone in free agency. Now, free agency takes place before the draft. So we'll know who right. that quarterback is before we get to that point. Uh, the two names that I keep coming back to, because of all the names uh, you listed, you know, I, I'm not sold that like Philip Rivers really does too much for me just because I feel like that's just a stopgap solu solution. Um, Case Keenum doesn't do much for me either. Derek Carr is interesting. Uh, that would also have to come after a few other dominoes right. fall, right? Like Tom Brady would have to decide mm -hmm. he wants to go to Las Vegas. And then the Raiders then would have to put Derek Carr in the market. I feel like right now Derek Carr is a better solution at quarterback than Trubisky. So I'd be okay with that. I don't know if you can hope that Brady picks the Raiders to then solve your own quarterback issue. Um, so I would kind of put that on the side for right now. Same with Tom Brady, right? Like Tom Brady would be cool. And it, it would be like, it would be like a crazy story if he chose to come to the Chicago bears. I just don't see the logistics of that actually coming together and taking place. So, so the two names to get back to the two names that I keep going to is, uh, I think with Cincinnati and what they do with Andy Dalton, I think that's a realistic option where if they either release him or if it's a trade where I just have to trade a sixth or seventh round pick or something next year late in the draft compensation to get Andy Dalton. I think Dalton's the type of professional quarterback that could run Nagy's system and to do all the things that he needs a quarterback to do. Is he going to be an elite quarterback? No. But that's why I started this off by saying, I think Ryan Pace is going to have to draft a quarterback anyway. And then you hope 
that Dalton and Trubisky in a quarterback competition, the best player wins that job. Now, if it's Mitch Trubisky, I'm all for it, right? If, if, if Pace goes out and gets quarterbacks to put in the room and there's competition and Trubisky wins, great. Hopefully that works great in the season and boom, the Bears have their quarterback and Trubisky finally becomes the guy all the Trubisky truthers have been talking about, right? And that would be great for everybody. The problem I've had with a lot of this and with Trubisky's uh, development is that it feels like they've coddled him and it feels like they haven't challenged him. They haven't played him in the preseasons. They didn't bring in a real backup quarterback who could supplant him as the starting guy. And it seems just like they protect him too much. Let's get some competition in there. So, so the Dalton Avenue, I think, is a real option. And the other one, the one that I would go with as my number one, is I would find a way to get enough cap space to go out and sign Teddy Bridgewater. Because I think Teddy Bridgewater is the type of quarterback, and what we saw with what he did this year with the Saints, winning those five games and running that Sean Payton offense, I feel like this is the story where whoever gets Bridgewater, we're going to be watching that team in the playoffs next year, questioning, man, how did we miss Teddy Bridgewater? Everyone loves him. He's a winner. He has all the intangibles. He just needed to be in the right situation. Why didn't we do that? And I feel like whoever ends up with Bridgewater, that's going to be the type of quarterback he's going to be. He's going to be a quarterback that gets his team into the playoffs. And it's going to be a feel-good story, right? And people are going to look back and say, man, why did we miss on that? So I would find a way to get enough cap space, release a couple of guys. I know Prince of Mukamura probably won't return. A couple other names on the defense that the money just doesn't really make a lot of sense. I would try and get myself to the like low 20s per year to try and offer something to Teddy Bridgewater. Would I pay $30 million for Bridgewater? No, but that's kind of the rate of a starting quarterback, let alone a good starting quarterback in the NFL. And if you're really sold on them, remember, Ryan Pace comes from New Orleans. If, if anyone uh, knows what is going on with another team's roster, it's probably Ryan Pace and what the Saints have done in the last few years. So I'm sure he has sources to know what type of guy Teddy Bridgewater is. That's the guy I would go after. I think that would be a great signing for the Bears if they could sign Teddy Bridgewater. Now, Nano, hold up, Nano. So so Bridgewater is, is now available, um, we assume, because Drew Brees has announced he's returning to the Saints. So, you know, he'll be back on, on you know, a one-year deal or whatever with the Saints. Uh, he's not retiring. So we, we assume Bridgewater is available. But Chris, Chris Nano, your, your guy is Cam Newton, okay? But I ask you, I ask you now, Bridgewater or Cam Newton, with everything considered, that's cap, that's the whole trade you'd have to do with Cam to, to get that to work. Who who do you like, Cam or Bridgewater, in that situation? Look, I I completely agree with the Teddy Bridgewater take. I think um, I, I think Teddy Bridgewater with the Chicago Bears is a huge upgrade. I think he can definitely make things happen. Um, my, man, I, I just... I think Cam Newton just would bring something different to this to this team, to this city. I think he would have fans buzzing. Look, I don't know how realistic it is. I don't know how realistic it is. Like you might have a better understanding of that. But my thing is, I think everything that's revolved around Cam is completely blown out of proportion. I think, look, he's been cleared by doctors to be ready by next season. I I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. And I also don't think 
you're going to have to give up as much as people think you are. I, I just, with everything that's happened with Cam Newton recently, I feel like a team trading for him would have some leverage there. Um, and I fully believe that Cam Newton can return to maybe not MVP form, but pretty close to it. And I, I just, I, I think this would be a really good situation for him. I think this would be possibly the best situation he's ever been in. Um, and he is a former MVP. And the year before last, before prior to him getting hurt, he was also an MVP conversation. So um, I, I think he's phenomenal. Um, I think Cam Newton is, I think Cam Newton would be perfect for the Bears. But the only thing is how realistic. That's that's my question to you, Blake. Yeah, you know, Cam, I go back and forth on that, you know, because I, I feel you. I, I, I can remember when Cam Newton's healthy and at his best, he's a game changer, right? And there's not too many guys in the NFL that can do that. And if you look at Nagy's offense, he kind of really makes sense because then Nagy can run the RPOs. He can do things where he can mix it up where like, oh, all of a sudden you have Cordero Patterson in the backfield (laughs) taking the snap and Cam is now flanked out as a wide receiver and, you know, have all those little cutesy trick plays around the goal line. Like, I get that. Um, The only thing that I would be concerned about with Cam Newton is it almost seems like everyone who talks about Cam Newton on a national level says he's a pretty crappy teammate. And so, like, like here's the one thing. Trubisky's going to be back. Like, I know we kind of had the – we kind of tiptoed around the conversation if Trubisky will be back. Trubisky will be here. It's just whether or not he's going to be the starter or not. To me, Teddy Bridgewater, if he comes in, I feel like could be an asset to helping Trubisky turn into something, right? Now, I don't think that that would be the same relationship with Cam Newton. You know what I mean? Like, Teddy Bridgewater, if you sign him for $25 million, just throw out a number, that means that Bridgewater is going to be the starter. But you also have Trubisky's rights and you can tag him for the next couple of years. So, like, he's still a developmental project because you still have the advantage of not having to pay him a crazy huge contract for two more years. So, like, you might as well try and get the most out of that sponge and squeeze the sponge as much as you can before you give up on it, right? And yeah. so I feel like the Cam Newton thing – He's just always been that guy who people point to as a bad teammate. And I don't know if that would really vibe with what they're trying to build. And it certainly wouldn't help Trubisky. Like that would 100% be one guy versus the other guy in training camp. And I don't know if, if either would benefit from that. So that that's really interesting because the reason why I find that interesting is I relate this to some comments that Kurt Warner made two days ago. He said, look, Trubisky's a guy that needs development out of college. Bears fans knew or should have known that this was a guy who was going to need to develop. He played one season in college. He had only played X amount of like a very limited number of games since high school before going to the NFL. People knew he was going to be a work in progress. So maybe maybe it's as simple as the fact that, look, Mitchell Trubisky is just not ready. I mean, it's kind of clear he, he needs more time. And that's obvious. But the, that's where the issue comes when you have a championship caliber team with a quarterback of that nature. But that's why I find it interesting that, OK, so you'd be playing the long term game with Bridgewater. Not only would you be helping yourself in the short run, 
uh, getting yourself into Super Bowl contention the minute he's signed and brought into House Hall. But if you only sign him to a I mean, I don't know how two to three years. Then you say, okay, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, develop, learn for two to three years, and you're set for the future after Bridgewater's gone. I th- I think that's really interesting, Chris. Would what do you think about that type of long term idea? Yeah. So look, that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of sense. But my whole thing with this Cam Newton thing is, if you bring Cam Newton in, I just, I mean, I think. I think Mitch Trubisky becomes an afterthought, whether we like it or not, just because Cam Newton is there. Um, I, I think he can he can potentially be a stopgap, um, but you know, for a longer stopgap, if that makes sense. I, I feel like you can you can give it your all with Cam Newton, and then you know, once his time is up, you, you go and draft a quarterback. You can start prepping somebody. But the only thing to, to kind of play devil's adv- advocate to my own argument um, is just. It, I know he's he's most likely not most likely he's hundred percent going to be healthy supposedly by um, by the start of next season. The only thing is he's just been injured so many times. I, I he 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 has a lot of mileage on him, and that's that's what, all what it boils down to. Um, but if we can get him for a cheaper price, if we can get him for let's say a mid round pick and you know a, a little sweetener, then I, I'm all for it. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've thrown out this possibility. Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, and the second second rounder for uh, Cam Newton. I mean, that would be a dream. Now, I don't think it's going to happen, but hey, the Panthers need a tight end. They need a speed wide receiver opposite of DJ Moore. Tell me it's not going to happen. No. <laughs> I've, Guys, I if, if I'm trading draft picks, I'm only, <laughs> I'm only trading draft picks to move up to get Justin Herbert or Tua Tungabailoa. I'm not no. messing around with Cam Newton. It's funny you bring that up because, I mean, there have been people who who are saying, I mean, obviously, I don't know if you've seen some of these ridiculous reports saying the Bears had been exercising uh, the option of trading Khalil Mack for like the the second overall pick to the Washington Redskins. It, I mean, it sounds crazy to me, but Black, is, is that something that you would even be? I mean, I, I'm not interested in it whatsoever, but is that something? I mean, you, you just said you maybe would like the idea of uh, uh, trading up for a Tugavailoa or Herbert. Do you think it's a possibility, maybe not to number two, but up at all into that first round? Well, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't trade Khalil Mack, right? No. Like, <laughs> you... Like, the goal is to get great players, right? And he's a legitimate top five player in the National Football League, and you're not trading a player like that because the moment you do, you're going to be searching for the next player who could be that great, that dominant for your team. And I get it. Some of the numbers kind of looked like he had a down year. I would argue that I, I think motivation may be something with him where, you know, he sees that offense against Philadelphia. What would they get nine yards on the road in the first half against the Eagles? Like, I think Khalil Mack's the type of dude that when you put him on national TV and you put him in a playoff run, like that's the guy that can win you playoff games single handedly. And I wouldn't trade a guy like that. Now, if you could move second round picks to get up into the first round, I would consider it. The only problem with that is I think these quarterbacks are going to go in the first round within like the first seven picks. I mean, there are reports yeah. now this week that the Lions may be interested in Tua Tagovailoa sitting at three. So, I mean, Joe Burrow and Tua could be off the board 
by the time we even get to the teams that we thought would be interested in a quarterback in the first place, and that's looking at the draft selections of the Dolphins, who I think are five. Like, I think it would be crazy if the Dolphins are sitting there at five and they don't even have an option to pick up Tua, who it seems pretty obvious that's the guy that they've been interested in for like a year and a half now. So like, okay, you get the, you get the Bengals, the Ra- the the Bengals, the Lions, the Dolphins, the Colts are in the top 10, right? Or they're right around 10. They're like maybe 12 or something. Like you have all these teams are going to be drafting for a quarterback. I think the only way you could get into that mix is if you got into the top 10. And I don't think Ryan Pace has enough draft capital to do so. They just don't have enough stuff. And, and it's because you have Khalil Mack. Let's remember that. Like, you traded away your number one picks to get Khalil Mack, so you keep Khalil Mack, right? But I'm okay with that. I mean, like, yeah, that yeah. – like, I'm okay with that. I mean, that goes back to the whole Khalil Mack conversation. I, I was thinking about this. I, I was thinking, you know, what – what if Nano, listen to this. The Detroit Lions take Tua Tugavailoa and trade Matthew Stafford to the Bears. Oh, my. Could you imagine that? Now, that is <laughs> unlikely. That 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 is unlikely to happen simply because it's trading a player of that caliber to a division rival. But, Nana, Nana what are your ideas uh, and your thoughts about that? Bears possibly moving up uh, at all to, to, to take a guy? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely with Black here. I, I, just, I just don't think Pace has enough ammo. I mean, what what exactly are we are we looking at in terms of, of trading? I mean, you, you you would definitely have to trade both second rounders mm-hmm. to get into the top what top five for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, and you know, I'm it would definitely take more than that. So it, it's just I, I feel like it's completely unrealistic. Um, yesterday we uh, on Twitter I was talking about the whole Matthew Stafford thing, but honestly I just to kind of you know step off the track a little bit i i don't think um i think this whole tua to the lions thing is smoke unless they trade matthew stafford i i just don't think i i it doesn't make sense for them to draft a quarterback right now uh matthew stafford's only 32 i think he still has a lot of good years left in him um and i definitely don't think they would trade him to the bears as much as i would love that so yeah (laughs) <laughs> I love. I honestly love Matthew Stafford as a player, although he's a Detroit Lion. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect um, for that guy. And that's, I mean, yeah. this is why, you know, we have all of these ideas, right? But we really won't know until free agency starts because that's going to change everything. I mean, like if Philip or if Tom Brady goes to the Colts, if Tom Brady goes to the Raiders, I mean, so, so many things could happen that are going to change uh, the draft, the scope of the draft. But um, let's move on now. We had a lot of quarterback tags. Let's, let's go to this recent playoff news. So basically there was news today saying the CBA as early as two weeks from now uh, could input this rule that they're expanding uh, playoff teams to, I believe, one more per conference. Um, so that would be seven playoff teams per conference, and only one team per conference would get a bye. So just initial reactions, Black, what are your opinions on that? Why is it necessary for us to change everything at all times, always, in sports now? <laughs> like, to me, the NFL playoffs this year were fantastic. There was nothing more we needed from the NFL playoffs. And in fact, if I think back to wildcard weekend, I was satisfied with four games. That's enough. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. There is no clamoring for the Steelers and the Cowboys 
to get into the playoffs this last season. You weren't good enough. And sometimes you have to be told you're not good enough in life. It's not like I don't understand this idea of lowering the bar just to make people feel better so we have more playoff teams and games. And I get it. So on Saturday and Sunday next year, if this goes through, we will have three wild card games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. Unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. The NFL playoffs are perfect the way they are. Yeah, I, I'm so – I'm completely in agreement with you. I feel so strongly about this as well. I, I just I, – look, look, what are we doing here? I mean, we're, are we rewarding average teams? I, I mean, that, that's, that's what it seems like. And, you know, taking away that buy from the number two seed seems so backwards to me. So you're rewarding a team that, you know, couldn't get in, and then you're taking away, you know, something that a top team has an advantage with, you know? It's just one of those things. I, I I completely agree. I don't think it's necessary. I think it's it's awful, honestly. And um, just I, I I don't know. I have no words. I I just don't think it's something that that needs to happen. And but what do I know? Well, well, guys, think about like play it out now, right? Like, okay, so the teams that missed last year, the Steelers, they were eight and eight, right? Yeah. Okay, they, yeah. they were the team that if this was implemented, they would be in the playoffs. The thing to me that makes it annoying is that means the teams in the hunt, you know, on the graphic that they show on TV, all the teams in the hunt are going to be under 500. The Steelers were at 500. Now, in the NFC, it's a little different because the Rams were the team that missed out. The Rams were 9-7. and Okay, the NFC West was really good last year. But I would assume in most seasons what we're going to see is usually that last team that gets into the playoffs is going to be between eight and eight and like seven and nine. Mm-hmm. And to me, seven and nine teams shouldn't be in the playoffs. It's unnecessary. No, it, sh- it shouldn't happen. I mean, that goes back to, you know, you're rewarding a losing team like like that cannot be the case. And it, it, I look at it the way that the NBA works. I mean, the NBA has 16 playoff teams. And are you ever going to see an eight seed in the NBA make the NBA finals? No. I don't think it'll ever happen for at least 10 years until, until something has changed. But I mean, that's where I see it with the whole with the whole uh, NFL expansion uh, playoffs. Is is it? It's just to me unrealistic that a team like that, not only if they're eight and eight, even if they're nine and seven, seven and nine. I mean, there's a reason that they wouldn't have made the playoffs. And then for them to, ju- it's just you know, then you have to have that two seed play them, and that's wasting their uh, time that they could have had rest off for to prepare for you know, another game, it's, it's outlandish to me. And the fact that it could happen so quickly, I mean, this is not, we don't even almost get time to, to talk about this because it's only a matter of weeks before they could put it in. And from what I've seen, from what I read in the sports illustrated article is that everyone in the CBA is apparently in agreement on this. So quite frankly, it looks like it's a pretty high percent chance that it actually does happen too. Yeah. And it's going to increase with they're they're going to add an extra game and go to 17 games uh, for yes. the regular season, which I, I think also is unnecessary because I think the brilliance of the NFL season is that the 16 games matter and you determine throughout those 16 games who get to the playoffs and rewarding teams for not being able to figure it out to that point just leads to more randomness. I feel like the NFL is the one league that has it down where when we get the champion, it seems deserved. It seems like, yeah, that team makes sense. Like the Kansas city chiefs 
were the best team last year. I don't have an argument with that. And guess what? You know who the second best team in the National Football League was last year? The 49ers. Both teams that made the playoffs were, were exactly deserving of getting to, I mean, both teams that made the Super Bowl were deserving of the honor. So I, I feel like what this does is adding the extra game means the games themselves are less meaningful. And then adding the extra team on each conference now adds a little bit more randomness to the playoffs, which I think is unnecessary. Like not everything has to be March Madness. You know, there's, there's a reason why people only watch college basketball when the tournament rolls around. There's a reason why people watch every single week of the National Football League, because it matters. You know what doesn't matter? Whoever Kentucky is playing tonight, it doesn't matter because they'll make the tournament because it's complete randomness in college basketball. Chris, Nano, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really just don't think there's much to, much else to say. I mean, it, it's just, I think it's so silly. Um, you know, I, look, if the Steelers, um, you know, like, like Black brought up, if the Steelers and Cowboys get in, I mean, do they win a playoff game? Let's be real. Do you guys think they're going to play a game? So. I mean, no, you know I, what, I don't I think guys, the Steelers do. You know, think about this. Think back to um, – if you if you jog your memory of bad wild card games, yeah. usually the teams that make the wild card that are not very good are teams with no quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're teams that yeah. have great special teams and a good defense, and they play those low-scoring defensive games, but they can't score points. Like what this will do is you just get to implement more teams with bad quarterback play, which leads to crappy games yeah you know what i mean like that's that's what was so intriguing about this year's wild card round is all of the teams involved had young exciting quarterbacks the bills josh allen played well in that playoff game you know you you have the texans sean watson you have the ravens who had the bye but they're still in the playoffs with lamar jackson like all of the teams included in the playoffs this year had good quarterback play what this does is now you're dropping down that second tier of teams who are pretty good, but they probably have pretty crappy quarterback play. And that's like what we're going to see because like, aren't the Steelers a perfect example of that? They had crappy quarterback play this year. Roethlisberger was hurt. All of the backups were trash, but they were eight and eight. That's not a playoff team. Come on. That that's all. It's all. Is that not the bears too? Had the Rams well, not been yeah, nine and seven? It, that's the Bears. And it's like when we all sit down to watch football, I want to watch quarterbacks be good. I don't want to watch garbage quarterbacks. Right. Like, well, let's be real. Yeah. That's what this league is built on is guys going out throwing touchdown passes. That's what we want to see. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's where it's like, okay, so if the NFL is their whole goal is that it's a business and they want to bring in ratings and they want to bring in people, you know, to watch these playoff games, then then I don't understand is why they're trying to do this. Then if what we're talking about is true that, yeah, okay, these teams on the outskirts on the playoffs, most of them have poor quarterbacks. And then that leads to bad football games, leads to lower ratings for the NFL. So it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. But the one thing I I mean, do you have anything to say, Blake, about that? Well, no, I mean, it, listen, we, we can um, we can pontificate and give our opinions on it now, but we all know the reality is that people in this country watch football. So no matter what they put on, we're all sure. going to consume it. We're yeah. all going to love it because yeah. there are people who bet and watch and enjoy the Pro Bowl. 
And so like, and, and there are people who last weekend watched the XFL and are going to watch it again this weekend. So like, yeah, I, I think it's completely unnecessary. I agree, uh, Kevin, that it's going to water down the product a little. And I, I think it's, it's just weird because it's something that we don't necessarily need, but come on guys, we're all going to watch. We're yeah, all yeah. like, everyone's going to, yeah. we're all going to watch. <laughs> Now it just extends our window that we have to tell our girlfriends and wives on wildcard weekend when we're available, right? Like now we're just not available the entire day because there's going to be three games back to back to back. Right. So very true. Very true. <laughs> and now the one thing uh, I am in favor of is the fact, I mean, uh, personally, they, they want to drop preseason to three games. Now, look, it doesn't matter for the Bears because they don't play their starters in the preseason <laughs> anyway. So I get to spare myself from watching third stringers uh, every as much as I love to watch Bears football, no matter who's on the field. Uh, it, I don't think through four preseason games is necessary, um, especially the way it, it has been trending where a lot of these teams don't want um, their players to play because uh, of injury. Any thoughts about that, about the, the preseason being limited to three instead of four games? It, it's smart. It's certainly smart because uh, the players don't want it. The teams don't want it. The fans don't want it either. And, uh, you know, as a season ticket holder, we don't want to pay for the games Right. You know, we we have to. So I would much rather be the game that I pay for be a regular season game than than the preseason games. You know, uh, I've always questioned because uh, I'm a huge college football fan as well. You know, college football teams may have a scrimmage. They may like uh, but they go right into the season. And many times you have Oregon facing off against Auburn. You have teams playing real opponents to start their season. I feel like preseason is a complete waste of time from the beginning because most football players don't do it in high school. They don't do it in college. You get to the NFL and no one wants it. It's just completely useless. I I feel like they could pair back even more. Give us one preseason game. You know, if you have to bump ticket prices for one of the regular season games to make up the difference, I would be okay with that because no one wants to go to the preseason games anyway. And just hold like team scrimmages with another opponent during training camp. You know, many teams do that already. I know the Patriots do it. The Broncos do it. The Bears have done it in the last couple of years, a couple of times. Like, I feel like there's more benefit in that and having a controlled practice setting and being able to get the work in than this charade of everyone going to Soldier Field just to go through the motions, even though it's not going to be a real football game. I, you know. It, it's good. I'm glad that they're doing something, but they could do more. Chris now. Yeah, no, I mean, hundred percent. I think I, I personally will turn on the preseason, a preseason game, you know, like especially the first preseason game of the year. Oh man, like football's back, football's <laughs> back. And then I, rem- and then I remember within a couple minutes why I don't watch the preseason, you know, right. I'll, I'll tune in, here and there, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll watch for a couple minutes, but then I'm just like, yeah, I, I'm I'm not watching this, and that's that's <laughs> the thing. I mean, it's it's pointless. It's pointless. 
It's like I get myself worked up for the Hall of Fame game because, you know, you wait for it for yeah, X amount exactly. of months. And I'm like, let's go the Hall of Fame game. You're going to turn it on. And then, you know, it's you lose interest in five minutes. So, yeah, I think I think uh, I think that's the right idea. And again, especially for a team like the Bears, where, you know, at least for other teams, you get to see your starting lineup for a quarter in some games. For the Bears, you get the second and third stringers all game. At least that's the way it seems like it's going to be under Matt Nagy. So we get you know, the least, we get the worst of it, too. So, um, it'll be interesting. I mean, we'll have to keep an eye on this as as uh, they go through the motions of, of these rule changes and, and any other rule changes they will add, whether um, uh, whether they do that or not. We'll have to keep an eye on it. But we're going to go into our uh, final segment here called Would You Rather? Uh, so, we, we have this new segment, Chris Black, called Would You Rather? You know, we say, you know, would you rather do this or would you rather do that on a yeah. plethora of things uh, regarding the Bears? And the first one we want to do is actually, uh, you know, the the all-star game for the NBA was in Chicago and it had us thinking um, about where Chicago plays, Soldier Field. And I've had a lot of people on Twitter um, saying the, they would rather have the Bears have an indoor stadium or build a new stadium so they can host a Super Bowl so it can be warm in the winter. Um, but I'm I'm an outdoor guy myself. You know, I love I, that's a part of the culture of Chicago Bears for me. But Chris Black, for you, would you rather have the Bears play at Soldier Field or play in an indoor stadium, maybe in one of the brand new uh, beautiful stadiums that they make nowadays? What What would you rather have, all things considered? Before I answer. Have either of you guys ever gone to the new Vikings stadium in Minneapolis? Never been to U.S. Bank. I have not, no. It is gorgeous. Yeah, Yeah. I believe Unbelievable. And what a concept when it's freezing outside to travel to a stadium and then be able to take your jacket off and enjoy (laughs) your day. What a concept. Uh, yeah, so the would you rather was uh, would be absolutely. I would much rather have them build either a dome or move to a better facility that's updated with modern creature comforts like other NFL stadiums are right now. You know, um, not to go long-winded on this, but I think the one thing people don't really think about is the Bears revamped Soldier Field in 2001. I think it what opened in 2002 was the first year that they played in the new stadium or maybe like right around their early 2000s. And um, so we're coming up on almost 20 years and we've seen other teams in 20, 25, 30 years ditch the stadium they had and build a new one. We just saw that in Atlanta. Um, We've seen it in a couple other places. So I wouldn't be surprised in the next like five to 10 years if a true movement about the bears building a new stadium kind of starts up. Um, you know, I've, uh, my family's had season tickets and the, since the bears played at Wrigley in the late sixties. Um, so I've gone to games, uh, since like 92 ish is kind of when I remember going. Um, so I've been going to games for a long time. I've sat outside for all of those bad weather games. Uh, I've done it. It's not enjoyable. Uh, I get it. Uh, Kevin, you say that uh, it's a part of the culture and it, it's like a badge you can you can wear on your your sleeve and be proud of it. But when you do it time and time and time again, like it's just more enjoyable to be able to go to a stadium, and enjoy the night. You know, I you guys mentioned the All-Star game. I was at the Rising Stars game on Friday night, the dunk contest on Saturday night and the All-Star game on Sunday night. The weather here in Chicago was bad all weekend. It was nice inside. No problem. It was great. 
it was an enjoyable weekend. So, like, if you could do that for the Bears uh, stadium. And also, the other thing, the side note that I would add is look at the way this team wants to play. They have an offensive-minded coach who wants to have a great offense. A great offense would require good footing, right, and a good track. And the one thing Soldier Field almost never has is a good track for the offense. So, you know, new age, new things, I'd be cool with it. I get tradition, but if you really want to do some homework, look into the first team to ever play a football game in an indoor arena. And the answer will be the Chicago Bears back in the 40s. They played at the old Chicago Stadium on mud. So, so if anyone ever tells you that it's bear tradition to be outside, technically the bears were the first team to ever play inside. So take that. That's good. Look, look, look at, look it up later, guys. I'm, I'm telling you, it's pretty oh, cool. They played, they, um, the, the circus used to go to the Chicago stadium and they would keep the mud for different events. And so they laid the mud down from the circus and that's what the bears played on. Wow. Because they thought it would be too cold. They thought it'd be too cold at Wrigley for fans to even show up. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's man. That's crazy. There it is. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. Um, Nana, Nana. Yeah, what do you like, Nano? Yeah, so I'm I'm I, I agree with this. I think an indoor stadium would be phenomenal. Um I, I remember when I was younger, um we I would be watching the, the Bears game with my dad and my and my uncles. And uh, one of my uncles would always say, like, man, like, isn't it so much better being inside the house watching this on TV you know, <laughs> r- rather than, than being, you know, completely freezing at Soldier Field? And, you know, I, I was maybe, you know, 14, 15. I'm like, man, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm like this Soldier Field, man. So it's tradition. Yeah. Like, why would you not want to be there? But, you know, as I've gotten older, like, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards this indoor stadium thing, you know, being comfortable, being able to actually enjoy the game. I think it would be great for the city as well. So. Um, indoor indoor stadium for sure for me yeah and, and there's a ton of things that go along with that i mean if you build a stadium oh, yeah. you can to yourself to host the super bowl in two yep. years i mean all, all of a sudden there's just so much more uh, attention i mean when the vikings built that stadium i mean it was just like I, that's the i mean that is a hell of a stadium but i mean there's no reason for the chicago if they had if they do this for a stadium to be just as nice as that, I mean, uh, you know, with what Atlanta's looks like now, I mean, odds are it would be uh, just as beautiful. So um, I haven't heard anything about that, about whether that is even in the works or in the minds of the McCaskies, but um, we'll have to see. But I think, I think we're all going uh, indoor as far um, as far as that. Would you rather? So let's go on uh, to our next one. This one's um, about Prince Mukamura, right? We kind of mentioned him a little bit earlier when we spoke about what the Bears could do to free up cap space uh you could cut prince and mukamura for nine million dollars uh or you'd save nine million nine million dollars by making that move but chris now you like prince and mukamura so i'll do the would you rather would you rather keep prince and mukamura or let a guy like kevin Tolliver take over or grab a, a free agent or a different guy in the draft bleck we'll start with you um seems like an easy answer maybe what do you like there i like prince and mukamura um i got a chance to host a radio show with him this last Mm -hmm. fall. And that guy's awesome. Like even, you know, off the air, I said to him like, Hey man, let me know if there's anything that I can't ask you. Like, just tell me up front and I won't go there. And he's like, no dude, ask me everything. I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to ask about the quarterback. This is like right after the Eagles game when the offense was terrible. He was like, Oh no, I got it. He was, he was so cool. 
He was great. Um, unfortunately, I think based on the cap situation, he's going to have to be someone that you're going to have to move off of and hope that Tolliver or, or a drafted rookie can come in and at least give you something comparable to what Amukamura gave you the last couple of years because Amukamura has been very good for the Chicago Bears. It's just if you want to fix all your issues offensively, you're going to have to start cutting high-priced players on the defensive side. Yeah. Nano, yeah. I know you yeah. like your man Prince, so what do you got to say? No, I, I, I'm with Black on this one as well. I, you know, I tweeted yesterday or a couple days ago. Um, I was just, I, I'm just so surprised at how Bears fans have kind of treated him um, over this past year. Uh, I, 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 people just act like he was some terrible corner for us, you know, these past two years. And look, I, I don't think he was that good this past year. I think, you know, his time in Chicago is definitely done. Um, and, and I'm and I'm OK with that. But I just don't like this whole narrative that's being started um, that he was some terrible corner because he definitely, you know, he definitely was a big reason why this Bears defense has some success. You, you know, having a good cornerback, too, is such an such an underrating underrated I, I don't want to say blessing but I mean it, it kind of is you know having a guy that, that you can rely on um, oh yeah starting down you know wide receiver too so um I, I think I, I would roll with Tolliver um I also wouldn't be opposed to drafting somebody um but yeah I, I think Prince Amuka Prince Amuka Mora's time is done but I, I I thank him for everything he's done in Chicago if this you know if he does leave and I, I like Tolliver. I think Tolliver's got a guy with a lot of potential. Um, he comes from DBU and from LSU, and I, I've liked the things that he's shown. But they also grabbed the um, the guy from the CFL. So, I mean, who, uh, who really knows what his role is right now? I mean, that's something that we'll kind of figure out uh, what kind of player he is through minicamp and, and what we hear from there. But I think it's, it, it, the Prince of Mukamura situation is just one of those things where the money's too big to pass up. As much as uh, you love him as a, as a person or a player, that $9 million, like Chris met, like Black mentioned, is that you know it, it's got to go to tight end um, if you want to do something through that free agency or the quarterback position if, if you're going the Bridgewater route. I mean, you're going to need that money. And then you look at you know a guy like Leonard Floyd, you're going to have to do something with that 13.2 million dollars i mean that's not just gonna sit there uh you gotta you gotta figure out a trade for that or a long-term extension to cut that down um so the bear i mean that we we obviously know the bears have to find money where they can get it and this is one of the easiest ways that they can save themselves a considerable amount of money uh let's move on hey chris nan i love this one my man i love this one because we're talking uh about the tight ends and, and this is something we've had on on most of our offseason uh podcasts because it's a critical issue for the Bears. Um, they, they did just sign Demetrius Harris, so that's some recent news. Uh, former Browns tight end and Kansas City Chiefs tight end, which is why the Bears were interested in him. He was cut by the Browns, I think, two days ago and just picked up by the Bears today. Uh, he's got that Matt Nagy connection. But would you rather – I mean, this, this to me, it, it, it seems like an easy answer. But after thinking about it, I, I thought I'd ask it. Would you rather have Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton or J.P. Holtz and Jasper Horstead in your tight end room for 2020? I mean, they, I, I I don't even know. I don't know. Chris Black, what do you think? Oh, that, that that's a good one. My initial reaction would be to be sarcastic and give you the uh, the Horstead uh, Holtz combo, but I, I feel like the 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 realistic answer should be. Hopefully Trey Burton is healthy and he can give you something, right? Like that's got to yeah, be the yeah. answer. 
<laughs> we we know Shaheen won't give you anything. That guy's terrible. <laughs> so I that's fine with me. But we gotta hope that Trey Burton does something. Uh, Chris yeah. Natto, what are your thoughts, buddy? Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where you're you're hoping and praying probably either way. Um, just because yeah. Horstead and Holtz are not the greatest of tight ends, I mean, they'll give you your your production, your backup tight end production. But I mean, you you just you you pay you're paying Trey Burton a, a decent amount of money, so um, you know you you got to try to get the best out of him. Just hope he can stay healthy. Um, just hope whatever he's going through, he can figure it out. And and you know you need Trey Burton on that field. You you there's no way around it. Yeah yeah, Chris Black, we we've been huge on Eric Ebron on this podcast. We haven't actually even really exercised the option of Austin Hooper. Uh, we we don't love Hunter Henry as much as Ebron, and and Greg Olson's no longer an option. Um, I know the Bears owe Trey Burton money, and I and I know they're paying him a lot for a guy who might sit on the bench due to whether it's due to injury or whether they bring in another tight end. Um, but who do you like it, it, of those free agent tight ends? Obviously, there's um, some momentum about them drafting a uh, tight end in the second round. I'm, I'm more of a free agent guy for this position right now. I, again, I, I love Eric Ebron. Um, but of some of those names, I mean, would you would you want to go get a guy like that or just kind of, you know, hope that Trey Burton returns to his, you know, form in 2018? I, I like Ebron. I think Ebron would be a good option. Um, Ebron kind of reminds me of what the Bears did when they went out and got Des Clark as like a second stop. And re- like, remember those years that Des had here in Chicago? They were very productive. And yeah. it was like, it was like, can this guy really add a whole lot to a team? And it was like, oh, yeah, no, he's serviceable still. And he was pretty good. And I think Ebron could have like a second renaissance. In, in this part of his career. And I think he'd be really successful. I, I, I know that the tight end position is a major need in the off season. I agree. I would not use a top draft pick on him. So either of the second round picks I wouldn't use on him because the way I would look at it is in the draft, I would dedicate those resources to the offensive and defensive lines and continue to help those two parts of the, the, the team, right? So either mm-hmm. stacking on the defensive line or getting that help you need for the offensive line. Uh, so if I get my quarterback and I have money left over to go out and get a, a high price tight end on the open market, I'm all for it. If it doesn't happen, I don't know if I'm heartbroken over it just because I feel like there are better priorities to kind of s- select your resources to go towards than saying, I have to get a tight end first, and then I'll figure out other things after that. I feel like if you could figure out your offensive line, you can get a quarterback. Hopefully, Trey Burton can give you something. Maybe you draft somebody later in the, the later rounds who could give you something. Um, that That's the way I would approach it. But Ebron seems like a good name and a good option. Yep. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big Ebron fan as well. Um, I think I, I just don't see them splashing big on a tight end. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think they'd rather just hope Burton, you know, gets to be Trey Burton. Um, especially, look, I, I don't think Demetrius Harris is going to be anything special. He's, the gun, he's, gonna nah, he's a blocking more, guy. Yeah, he's going to be nothing more than a backup tight end. But, um, you know, with, with the tight end room, I mean, Look, you can. Uh, what are the contract situations looking like of 
Holtz and Horstead. Um, because if you can get if you can get Burton, you know, obviously Shaheen is there, but he's not going to give you anything. So Burton, Demetrius Harris, and then you know one one of J.P. Holtz or Jesper Horstead. I mean, I think that's that's an okay tight end room. I, I think as long as Burton stays healthy, which is what is which is what we keep coming back to, I think that tight end room can can get you by. Yeah, but I mean the thing is, we talk so often about how crucial a tight end is to this offense. And we say, oh, you know, you look at the best offensive games of the year for the Chicago Bears, and you see in those games, tight ends were making plays um, and helping out Mitchell Trubisky and being productive. So that's where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you can hope and dream all day that Trey Burton's going to somehow be good. But if he gets injured again, then you don't help an area that we – seem to believe is, is a pretty important part of this team. And and I like what they did with Demetrius Harris from a sense that it tells me that they want to run out of the eye formation more and they want to commit uh, to that type of running offense. And I like that. But, you know, you got to have a tight end who can catch the football. And that's where I think they're, they're going to do something in free agency, in my opinion. It may not be a splash like Ebron. Uh, I think Hunter Henry would be cheaper. Um, Austin Hooper would probably be more than Ebron, but I think they got to do something because we've seen and we have the evidence that a strong tight end in this offense can make a difference. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I think the fact that you add to the running game, hopefully other things kind of click and then offensively everything kind of runs a little bit smoother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, we got uh, well, one more thing. Uh, we got one more uh, would you rather here. You, we kind of answered it, but th- this one is about the second-round picks. We, we kind of hit on those a little bit. Um, and Chris Black said he likes the offensive line idea there. Um, but I, I was doing some reading today about some mock drafts, and one of them had Justin Jefferson falling down to the Bears, or not just Justin Jefferson, but LaVisca Chenault Jr. of Colorado, talking about some really good wide receivers. And now there is a youthful a youthful core uh, in Chicago of wide receivers. You got Javon Wims and Anthony Miller and, and Riley Ridley, but a lot of guys who aren't completely proven. If a guy like Justin uh, Jefferson, who's pretty polished, a guy like LaVisca Chenault, who's an athletic freak, fall to the Bears at that point, and they're, you know, considering whether to take an offensive lineman or one of those guys who might be, you might be getting great value for at that spot, would you consider uh, uh, taking a guy like that in that type of situation, Chris Black? No, it's a good question, um, because it's it's like the, it's it's what is your philosophy as a, a general manager drafting for your team, right? Do you pass on talented guys because you have a need or do you always just pick best available? Because then like, here, here's the logic in, in my head, this makes sense. If you're always picking best available at the end of the day, won't you always have a more talented team than others across the national football league? Right? Like I, I feel like when someone says I have a need, so therefore I need to draft this this and that, that's how you back yourself into a hole in, in, in a corner where you you get stuck drafting players who are not worthy of that draft selection. So I would almost always draft best available player within reason based on my needs, right? So like if I say I need a tight end and the best tight end and I'm drafting 40th, the next available tight end is – 60th on my board I'm not taking them you know like and and if anything 
you see the smart teams like the Ravens and the Patriots, what would they do in, in that situation? They would move back, try and get more picks, and hope that you get to the, the close target range where you can select that guy. That's exactly how the Ravens got Lamar Jackson, right? They had a first-round grade on him, but they didn't think he was worthy of being taken early in the first round. So what did they keep doing? They continued to move back to then get to a spot where they felt comfortable taking Lamar Jackson, even though that was the guy they wanted all along. So I feel like, you know, if, if there is a player of need that you want and there isn't a player of need and you're not quite sold on anyone at the spot you're drafting, you should always move back and try and get an asset back for that decision. And, and I think that's where, you know, if I was running a team, I would always take the best available player because at the end of the day, my team's going to be more talented than your team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Chris Nano, your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. I, I think it's just all about the balance, um, the balance between a need and then the most talented player, pretty much what Bleck said. Um, like, would I, would I like to have Justin Jefferson on the Bears? Absolutely. But just to kind of answer this question, I can't really give a concrete answer because to me it just depends on how the dominoes fall. I mean, if there are other guys that, you know, are more of a need and, you know, still very talented that, you know, you weren't expecting to be there, then, you know, maybe that guy would be a better fit. So it's just all about how the dominoes fall. But I mean, in terms of what I like to have Justin Jefferson on the bears, I would absolutely love to have Justin Jefferson on the bears. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, And and you guys, you know, the, the other thing to consider is like, you have to weight the importance of the positions on the field, right? Like safety is not as important as defensive tackle. So like, to me, that, that's why initially I said I would use those second-round picks for offensive and defensive line because if I were running a team, outside of getting your quarterback, to me the two most important things is the line play. And as long as you have good line play, you're always going to be in the mix. And if you have a good quarterback, you can kind of figure out the rest. You know, the teams that are bad for a long time are teams that waste high draft picks on players of skill like wide receivers or cornerbacks or safeties and it's like, or running backs even. And it's like, are you a dummy? What do you need to draft a running back high for? If you have a good offensive (laughs) line, you can, you can get, you can find a running back off the street and they can have a great season for you. So like, to me, there, there has to be this, this conceptual idea where if you're building a roster, Like, I still feel like even though we're in this era of throwing the football and putting up points, there's something old school about great offensive and defensive line play. And those teams are usually the teams that are standing at the end. And yeah, okay, you could argue that the Ravens had that and they lost early in the playoffs. Yeah, well, guess what? Next season, I'm I'm probably going to pick the Ravens to make the playoffs next season and probably the year after that, too. And, and if you have good offensive and defensive line play and continue to draft and replenish it, you're always going to be in the mix. And I feel like that's something that the Patriots do well. It's something the Ravens do well. The 49ers have done that very well, and I think they're going to be around for quite some time here as well. So I, I think that's really the key to the National Football League, and that's the way I would approach drafting. 
That's a that's a fantastic point. I mean, they say you know games yeah. are won in the trenches, right? I mean, it's simple as yep. that. You know, games won in the exactly. trenches, and and right now the Bears have no idea what they're doing at offensive line. I mean, you, you have you have no idea at right guard. You you really have a haven't a clue. So they gotta they gotta figure it out. And I I haven't really heard anything about the option of free agency in that sense. So I would assume one, if not both. Oh, those second rounder are going are going uh, O line in my opinion because you, you for what Chris said I mean you gotta gotta put it in place and then you gotta keep it there uh, for a long period of time and you and you don't necessarily do that by signing you know 33 year old free agents every three years and, and filling that hole um, I mean Alex Bars I mean we who knows right we we everyone thinks he's gonna be a stud but no one really knows so um, we'll have to see and, and before I wrap up the show here I just wanna you know for the fans out there listening who don't know what to expect for the offseason. If you had to rate on a scale of 1 to 10 the aggressiveness of Ryan Pace this offseason, what would you put it at? Because he's a very aggressive guy. I mean, we, we know that. I mean, he 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 goes up and he trades for Mitchell Trubisky. He thought that was his guy. He trades for Khalil Mack. I mean, he, this is an aggressive general manager, but he's playing with limited draft capital and limited cap space. Scale of 1 to 10, how aggressive will Ryan Pace be? Because, I mean, he also has to fix a lot. With a little amount of resources, so it's interesting. Scale of one to ten, what is it? I'm going to give you guys an eleven. I'm going to go off the, wow. the scale. Wow. Uh, I think I think Ryan Pace sees it. I think he uh, has felt some heat. I think uh, yep. what they saw last year, going twelve and four, there was an arrogance and a cockiness up there at House Hall that uh, many have kind of reported on, and that the organization was a little full of themselves. I think last season was a reality check, and I feel like Ryan Pace is aware that if things don't go well this season, he's going to be on the hot seat, and so is the head coach. And so I I think it almost has to be above an 8, and I think it's going to go past that. I'm going to give you an 11 because they know what this means, this offseason means, to the future of this team. Because think about it. If Ryan Pace nails this offseason, if he fixes the quarterback, if he fixes the holes on the offensive line, the Bears get back to the playoffs, guess what? He's going to be here for another five years. But if he doesn't, and Trubisky's the quarterback, and he didn't find someone to do, you know, to be a good backup or to take the job, and the Bears start off two and six, or they're 500, like – what we'll do once we get to October is the conversation will be, does Ryan Pace need to be fired? That's yeah. what's going to be. So I, I think this is kind of like a make or break off season for Pace. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> funny. The funny thing is, I think we've said those exact words on this pod. Either me, Kevin, or one <laughs> of the other guys we do this podcast with. I, I have been saying that since towards the end of the last season that, you know, he, he's already feeling the heat. I, you know, our fans were up in arms, yeah. you know, at, some people even wanted him fired after this season. So, I mean, if he, if he comes out and he doesn't have a good off season and, you know, the bears suffer, I mean, he's look, it's not looking good for him. That could be his job. So I think he has to be aggressive, whether he likes it, whether he wants to or not, um, just and, to kind of save, save his own job. And, and Chris, now we talked about this last week. I mean, t- to be frank about it, I have confidence in Ryan Pace. He I has blatant misses, blatant. 
But you look at what he did to that roster, the turnover he made to that roster, his extremely good late-round, mid-round picks. I have trust in him to be able to do those things. And I, I think he's great at pulling free agents. I think he's great at negotiating and keeping uh, things in the darkness. Um, we know about that, about him hiding uh, his transactions. But I, I have confidence. I, I really do. And, and I think he's up for it. And I think he's he's he knows what's at stake, obviously. But I also have trust in him to do the right things and make the right moves for this team. Yeah, and like if if I had a hope for how he approached it, it would be to be aggressive uh, in fixing the quarterback position in the free agent market, but steady, patient, and and plotting when it comes to the draft, right? Like, I don't want him to be wildly trading up for guys in the draft and, like, taking that guy from Division three, whatever, because he played ice hockey and he thinks that he's going to translate into this fucking – you know, this, this route runner or something, you know, like none of that nonsense in the draft, (laughs) give me steady controlled, like quiet draft. Give me some offensive linemen. Give me picks that fall to him, you know, make the draft, you know, as, as low risk as possible, but go out and fix things in free agency, mainly getting a quarterback. And I think everything will be fine for him. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed for sure. Yeah, we'll have to see. Free agency, I believe, is just under a month away now, like 28 days or something. So so we're getting there, and uh, it's going to be an exciting one. That wraps it up for us. Chris Black, we really appreciate you joining us. It was a hell of a time. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Now, good to talk to you as always. That's Bears Nation Podcast signing off. We'll see you guys next time. Take care.